Good to see you. Uh, Would you open your Bible to the book of Jude? Uh, We are going to be starting a new three-week series today in this uh, pastoral epistle. And uh, one of the things I was thinking about as we were worshiping and even praying this is, Lord, would we... Would we grow up into maturity to be a church that is thirsty for the spirit and hungry for your word? Because we experience freedom in both of those realities. Uh, And so as we have been stirred in worship as this worship team, our worship team led us this morning. Thank you, worship team, by the way, for that. I can't wait for uh, you guys to close us um, after I'm done this morning. Stirred up in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's be hungry uh, for the word now as we turn to the book of Jude. Uh, Jude is right before uh, Revelation. Short, short book. Uh, not that well known. Not that well known. Uh, not taught that often uh, from the pulpit. Anybody ever heard a, a, a message on the book of Jude before? Just, just curious. Raise the hands. A few, okay, a few, mostly no. Uh, I would say most of us uh, two weeks ago, if you're like, what is the book of Jude about? Most of us would have said, I don't know, I don't know. So this is hopefully gonna be an opportunity for us to learn and grow um, in this short book. One of the shortest books in the Bible, um, some call the book of Jude the preface to Revelation, which helps us really understand the purpose of the book of Jude, Uh, Jude uh, living in the last days, living in the last days and the days uh, were serious. Uh, And so in this preface to Revelation about the great uh, coming of uh, of Jesus, his second coming in the great day of judgment when Jesus comes again. Jude uh, reveals uh, kind of the religious conditions, the moral conditions that were happening in his day. Uh, These religious conditions, these moral conditions were uh, prevalent on the earth again in his mind before the great second coming of the Lord. Who is Jude, Judas? Who is Jude Judas. He says in verse one, as he opens this short uh, letter, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Jude could be probably, well, Jude could be one of two people. He is either one of the 12 disciples. Uh, There were two Judases that were uh, part of the 12. Uh, One is Judas Iscariot. We know of Judas Iscariot. Uh, He betrayed Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. The other, Luke 6, tells us in the list of 12 apostles is Judas of James. Uh, So there are two Judases that were uh, apostles, or this is Judas, uh, Jude, uh, who is Uh, the brother of Jesus, actually, which is where traditional scholarship lands. Uh, Most scholars believe that Jude uh, is uh, the brother of James, who also wrote the the New Testament epistle of James, half-brother of Jesus, Uh, the brother of James, the brother, half-brother of Jesus. The reason why we think that is because of what we see in uh, Mark 6. Um, The scene is Nazareth. Uh, Jesus is there visiting his hometown. This famous passage in Mark chapter 6, verse 3 says, uh, the people of Nazareth, Jesus's actual earthly family, and verse 3 says, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this, wait a minute, we know who this is. This is the carpenter's 
son. Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas or Jude and Simon? Can you, can you imagine for just a minute being the younger brother of Jesus, like having a perspective of like James and Jude. I mean, they're half brothers of Jesus. They're younger than Jesus. And at some point in their teenage years, uh, Jesus just makes this statement. Listen, listen, guys, like I'm the Lord. And they're like, shut up, man. You know what I'm saying? Like teenage guys, like they're just, they're not having it. And um, we see this in the very next verse uh, in Mark 6, 4, and they took offense at him. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James and Jude? And they took offense at Jesus. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. But like his brother, James, who was uh, the great proclaimer of the gospel in the city of Jerusalem. Like his brother, James, Jude, after the crucifixion and the resurrection, places his faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Only after the resurrection did the scales fall from Jude's eyes and he became a follower of his half-brother, Jesus. See, the resurrection changes everything. Mark 6, 4, they took offense at him. The book of Jude, I am a servant, self-proclaimed servant, bondservant of the Lord Jesus himself. And I am proclaiming this message to all of you. Is my clicker over there on that somewhere, Lindsay? Ah, Thanks. I am proclaiming this message to all of you in the last days. What is the message? What is the overall message of Jude? Again, Jude knew that the times were serious and his message, as we're gonna, re- we're gonna read the whole book, is only 25 verses. We're gonna read the whole book this morning. You'll feel the weightiness of this book. He knew the times were serious and so his message was serious too, Jude uh, writes his book at an extremely vulnerable time for the early church. Uh, most scholars date the book around 65 to late 70s AD. So we're talking three decades after the resurrection of Christ. And the new covenant church was uh, at a very a serious time, vulnerable time. Uh, John, at this time of this writing, is probably the only apostle that's still alive. All of the other apostles had been murdered, had been martyred for their faith. Uh, Christianity was under severe political attack from Rome. False teachers were infiltrating the church in large Numbers and Jude is simply alarmed at what he is witnessing. And so he writes to the church to rise up and to fight for the gospel. He's compelled. He's compelled. He's urging. You'll, you'll sense this in his language, urging the church to, to contend, to fight for the gospel message. There had been a departure from the faith that was setting in among believers as false teachers were infiltrating the church. 
The other of the last apostles, we think about the letters 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, uh, 1st and 2nd Peter, uh, Jude. If you want to have just uh, some time to get an idea of what these um, last epistles that, that we have in our New Testament, what they were thinking about, what they were wanting to proclaim to the church, uh, sit down and read 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, 1st and 2nd Peter, Jude in all one setting and get some idea of the themes that these men were having in terms of what they wanted to communicate with the church in these days. Um, in fact, Jude's testimony uh, is very much like the testimony that we see in Peter in 2 Peter. So um, a lot of scholars uh, kind of align the book of Jude with the book of 2 Peter. The themes are the same. The messaging is the same. This is, uh, the message of Jude is in verse three. And I wanna read this. Beloved, he says to the church, Beloved, although I was very eager to you to write about our common, our common salvation, I was eager to write. I, I wanna just write a word of encouragement. I wanna celebrate with you our common salvation that we have in Jesus. He says, I found it necessary to write appealing to you or urging you to contend for the faith, contend for the faith, the overall message of Jude, contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. I love the purpose in this verse. The bookend of that is first he calls them beloved, beloved as a title to the church. You are the beloved of God. And then at the end of the verse, he calls them saints. Know who you are. Know who you are in this fight. You are the beloved of God. You are the saints of God. Uh, contend, that word contend can also be translated fight for. It can also be translated labor fervently for the faith. These are serious times and the language is serious uh, from Jude. Uh, I, I read this book and I, 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 I understand that Jude is writing to me and he's writing to us and he's saying simply, uh, you must have a faith that contends. You must have a faith that can fight for the truth of the gospel because very simply, we are in a battle. Uh, Jude understands that believers uh, must battle the lies uh, of uh, the world, the lies of religion and contend for the truth. And the truth that he's fighting for is simply this, his half brother, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus, the Lord and savior. He is the only rescuer. He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. This is the message, this is the freedom, this is the way, contend for it. Contend for it, church, and stand on it. And these are serious times, and we must fight for the truth of the gospel in the end times. It's interesting, uh, Jude, I really think that John, Peter, Jude, they all, they all think they're in, the, they're in the last times, and they were. They were in the last times. And we also, 2,000 years later, are in the same last times. These are serious times times for the church. The end times is simply the time between Jesus's resurrection, his ascension on the Mount of Olives, Acts chapter one, the time between his ascension and his return in the second coming. That space of time is, that, that is the last days. We are in the last days. And Jude is saying to us, we must have a faith that fights. I wanna say this up front. Uh, Jude is probably... Uh, the darkest forecast 
of the end of the age, which God has given us in all of the pastoral epistles. It's kind of just, let's call a spade a spade, right? Let's just call things what they are. And uh, you'll, again, uh, see how serious he is about it. While apostasy, uh, while anti-Christianity has been present uh, all throughout the history of the new covenant church of new covenant Christianity, there is coming in the end of this age, a consummation of all of the evil of the world against Christianity. And I, I wanna say, um, as we were thinking about uh, this series of Jude, this three-week series of Jude as a leadership team, uh, myself, Lindsay, uh, Andrew West, Greg Hook, Paul Anglin, um, we understand, we believe that we are still living right in the midst of everything that Jude writes about in 65 or so AD. We are still living in the reality of these end times. And so this epistle, I believe, is of great importance for our times. I don't believe it could be more relevant for us. Uh, these are the same things that we still feel strongly about in our own day and age. And so what I wanna do now is just simply read this with you. So I'm gonna be reading from the NIV, but I would encourage you to read along with me if you have your Bible open or if you have it on your phone. So 25 verses. Uh, I just, I just want to read, we're just going to read the Word of God out loud uh, and just allow the Word of God to be spoken in our community this morning. And then uh, I'll give you a forecast for the three weeks and we'll talk about the verses that we're going to, um, we'll dive into the verses that we're going to talk about this morning. The book of Jude, verse one, one chapter. Jude, a servant or a bondservant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. To those who have been called, to those who are loved by God the Father, to those who are kept by Jesus Christ, writing to believers, clearly writing to the church, clearly writing to believers. Verse two, may mercy and peace and love be yours in abundance, or may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you, or may you be filled up to overflowing with the mercy and the love and the peace that we have in Jesus. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation that we share, I felt that I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once delivered for all entrusted to the saints. Verse four, for certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They have secretly come into the community of faith. They have secretly, they're like wolves in sheep clothing and they have, they have snuck in and they are infiltrating the community of faith. And here's their message. They have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and they deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. Though you already know this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, Jews, all the way back to Moses, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who kept their positions of authority but abandoned their own home. These he has kept in darkness, 
bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day, speaking about the second coming of Jesus. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah, he starts with Egypt and Moses. Now he moves to Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns. They gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They served as an example of those who suffered the punishment of eternal fire. In the same way, these dreamers pollute their own bodies. They reject authority and they slander celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Yet these men speak abusively against whatever they do not understand and what things they do not understand by instinct, like unreasoning animals, these are the very things that destroy them. Woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain and they have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. There's a lot of biblical background story here. We'll unpack all of these things next week so that we understand clearly what Jude is referencing. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error and they have destroyed, they have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. These men are blemishes at your love feast eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all of the ungodly of all of the ungodly acts that they have done in the ungodly way and of all of the harsh words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Let's catch a breath. (laughs) Catch a breath. These men are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and they flatter others for their own advantage. Verse 17, but dear friends, but you beloved, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you in the last times, there will be scoffers who follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourself in God's love. Keep yourself in God's love. And as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life, be merciful to those who doubt. Be merciful, be merciful. Practice ministry of mercy to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. This is about ministry. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. In the doxology 24 and 28, now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy 
to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. The book of Jude to the church, to me, to you, to us. I wanna just pause for a minute. Um, Let your mind, let your mind and your heart connect after hearing the word of Jude read aloud. Um, I would even ask you this question, what are you, what are you feeling as we read that together? What are you feeling? What are you thinking? Uh, Connect your mind and your heart. I'm gonna, um, well, I'm sure that there are questions I know when I started reading it, I had, I think I had a lot more questions than answers. And I just wanna say like, as you connect that and, uh, you're, you're, you, you have questions. I think that's really good. That's why we wanna spend these moments together to seek clarity together as a church family. Um, and so just creating space for you to ke- connect your mind and heart together in this uh, and continue to do that as we go on this journey with Jude over the next few weeks. What I wanna say as we get into the verses that I wanna touch on today, what's primary for me to say to you after we read the book of Jude in its entirety is this. What we just read is a new covenant of grace letter. What we just read is a new covenant of grace letter and Jude, like Paul, like Jesus, like James, is a freedom fighter for people. We must keep that in mind. We must understand that we read a new covenant of grace, New Testament epistles through the lens of the freedom and the grace that we have in Jesus. And we must keep this in mind when we come to things, hard things, serious things that we read in the book of Jude that create uh, questions for us and maybe even gives us a little bit of angst uh, that we, it's important, I believe, for us to remind ourselves this is a new covenant of grace letter and Jude is a freedom fighter. And one of the things that I noticed, one of the things that jumped off the page to me when I first started reading the book uh, and studying the book for this series is how the book uh, starts and how it ends. There's a, there's a book end to the book of Jude that I wanna make sure that you're grabbing this morning. Uh, Jude starts with the radical nature of God's mercy, of his love, of his peace, of his joy in the first four verses. And then he ends with the same blessings and this incredible doxology in verses 24 and 25, he starts with the radical nature of God's grace, his mercy, love, shalom, peace, joy, all of those things. And he ends with those bookends. And that's what I wanna spend time looking at today um, to forecast uh, where we're gonna be over the next three weeks. This is how we're gonna break the book of Jude down. We're gonna talk today, week one, uh, about verses one to four and 24 to 45. We're, we're gonna focus on the bookends today. God is serious about his grace and his love. He calls you beloved. He calls you saints. He calls you to ministry uh, in mercy to others because you have been given mercy. God is serious about his grace and his mercy and his love. Next week, we'll look at verses uh, five to 16. God is serious about his justice uh, toward evil. And then week three, our last week, we'll look at those verses 17 to 22. God is serious about our perseverance 
about our perseverance and about the call that God has given us in our mission to be merciful to those who are doubting, to those who are perishing. Uh, so this is where we're going to be the next three weeks, but let's get into where we're going to be today. Uh, the book ends. It's a letter to the church, again, to believers, and Jude gets them, again, centered in their identity right away. Verse 1, he says three things to uh, the church. He says, number one, you are called. In other words, you are chosen. You have been adopted into God's family. Don't forget that you have been called, invited chosen by God himself, adopted. You are the sons and the daughters of the living God. And he says, you are loved by the Father. You are the beloved. I think if, you, if, if you're someone that struggles with, uh, with the lies of shame and the lies of, of toxicity, of guilt, and you, you wrestle sometimes with like, has God left me because I did this or that or the other, uh, a spiritual practice for you in Christ would be to speak this over your mind and heart. I am the beloved of God. I am in Christ, I am the beloved of God. God calls me beloved. That would be a spiritual practice that I would encourage you to remind yourself of often. And then the third thing that Jesus, or that Jude says about the, the benefits that we have in Christ is you are kept or you are held or you are secured by Jesus himself. Jesus said this in John chapter six, I call people to me and when they come, uh, they are secure in me and nothing will snatch them out of my hands. Like it's a promise of Jesus himself to people who come to the altar. The song we sing, when we come and when we receive, Jesus says, nothing will snatch you out of my hand. Paul says in Romans chapter eight that nothing in all of creation, nothing in all of creation Nothing will cause us to be separated from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says in Ephesians chapter one that when we believe the gospel, when we receive Jesus, that the Holy Spirit seals us in the spirit. You are kept, you are secure in Christ. We have these three really empowering, really encouraging, really beautiful truths right off the bat. And then right after that in verse two, these are the three things in verse one. And then in verse two, he, he couples these three statements, mercy and, and being chosen and loved and secure. He couples that with the benefits of being in Christ. And he has this beautiful statement in verse two, may mercy and love and peace be multiplied to you. May it spill over, may it be yours in abundance. We have these, these identities spoken over. So you're chosen, you're loved, you're secure. And because those things are true, there are benefits. And the benefits are these. You have been given these benefits of mercy in abundance and love in abundance and peace in abundance. May it spill over to you. I think it's a really incredible beginning that gets, gets us totally centered in what it means to be in Christ, to have an identity in Christ, and to be secure in our relationship with Christ. And then he goes to verses three and four. Let me read these verses again. Three and four, dear friends, although I was eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith 
that was once delivered for all entrusted to the saints. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago has secretly slipped in and they are godless men and they change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and by doing so they deny Jesus as sovereign and Lord. Here's what Jude is concerned about. Jude is concerned about false teachers proclaiming a false message about grace. That's what he is concerned about and that's what he is urging them to contend against. People are abusing grace for a license toward immorality or a license toward a sinful way of living that is not uh, congruent with Jesus and his way and his calling for us as his disciples. People are abusing grace. And when they abuse grace in that way as a license for immorality, actually what they do is they deny Jesus as Lord. That's what Jude is telling us. Grace doesn't give us a free pass to sin. Grace actually empowers us to overcome sin and be transformed in our lives toward Christ's likeness. I think over the years since Lindsay and I moved here in 2011, October of 2011, uh, by the way, nine years ago, uh, with this uh, passion and desire to proclaim the new covenant message of grace to anyone who would be willing to listen to the proclamation of freedom that we have in Jesus. And I believe that we have done uh, a pretty good job of helping people, you, me, all of us, helping people find respite and liberation from legalism, from the law. We, we, we've helped people understand that, that we read the old covenant of law through the new covenant of grace, that freedom really does mean freedom. We're anti-legalism. We're finding refreshment in those realities. And I think that's a core reality of who we are as a people at Two Rivers Church. But I, I must say it is also equally important for us to understand and know that grace also liberates us and rescues us from the bondage and the destruction of sin in our life. It rescues us from the bondage of legalism and grace rescues us from the bondage of sin in our life as well. Here's a statement. Living in grace frees us from the bondage of the law and the bondage of sin. I think that's really important. Living in grace frees us to, it frees us from the law and frees us from the bondage of sin, but it also frees us toward something, to the life that we have been created for as image bearers of Jesus, to a life being transformed unto Christ likeness. Paul addresses this uh, a few times in his letters. I wanna read um, one with you real quick. The very end of Romans 5, the very beginning of Romans 6, this will be familiar to a lot of you. Uh, Paul writes his letter to the church and he says at the very end of Romans 5, he says, the law was added so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded or increased all the more. Hallelujah. Yes and amen, hallelujah. Where sin increased, grace abounds all the more. So in fact, just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to 
bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Chapter six, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? This is from Paul to the church. This is from Jude to the church. They're saying this, freedom means freedom, church. Freedom means freedom. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3.17, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. John 8, Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, don't submit again to another yoke of slavery. Freedom is everywhere in the new covenant because that's what Jesus came to give us, amen? Freedom, true freedom, and it means freedom. It means freedom, but real freedom doesn't mean we pursue our flesh and the lies of this world. That's actually bondage. True freedom is both freedom from the law, from legalism, and it is from those things in our lives, the lies of our flesh, the world, the enemy, that keep us from living in the fullness of who God has created us to be and called us to be, a freedom to love and to serve and to honor Jesus. And I just believe and proclaim to you uh, that we experience actually more and more freedom by submitting, not denying the sovereignty of God and the lordship of Jesus, what Jude talks about. Uh, We experience more freedom, not by denying the lordship of Jesus, but following Jesus in his lordship and in his way. This is what Jude is fighting for at the beginning of his letter. This is what he is contending for. And uh, false teachers were teaching just the opposite, that grace, oh, grace just means that we can do whatever we want whenever we want. And that is not what the message of grace is. And to deny that way is to deny the lordship of Jesus. In the old man, in the old man, we were slaves, enslaved, truly enslaved, to sin. But in the new man, in the new creation, in Christ, we are slaves to righteousness. We have been empowered to overcome and be transformed. And then the doxology, the bookend, to make sure that the church understands. To him who is able to keep you from falling, to present you you church, me, you, us, to present you before his glorious presence without fault, righteous, truly righteous in Christ, to present to you righteous before the Father with great joy, the only God our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forever. More, you are called, verse one. You are loved, you are secure. And also, verse two, you have mercy and you have love and you have peace in abundance. And also, verse 25, you are enabled to keep from stumbling because he is able, because Jesus is able, you are enabled. You are enabled. And also, you are presented unblemished in the glorious presence of God without blemish. Church, are you listening to me right now? Totally forgiven. You are presented righteous before God. And also, Jesus presents you to the Father with great joy. Father, Abba, I present you, my son. 
I present you my daughter. That's you with great joy. That's all of you. Jesus will present you in the la- on the great day without blemish. By the way, you guys, there is no movie screen in the last days of all of the sins of your life and Jesus looking at them and saying, what about that one? What about that one? What about that one? What about that one? God has taken our sin as far as the east is from the west and he has removed it that far and he remembers it. Does anybody know what it says in Psalm 103? No more. So in the last days at the great judgment, you and Christ are going to be presented without blemish. Why do I say that with authority? Because the word of God says it with authority. Without blemish, with great joy, there will be great joy in God and in Jesus when you step into eternity in heaven forever. And this is good news, church. This is the book of Jude. Jude is a freedom fighter. Jude is a new covenant of grace preacher. And he says, have a faith that fights for freedom and for truth, church. He has not called the church, hear this. He has not called the church to batten down the hatches and ride out the storm. He has not called us to get into our holy huddles in fear and hide in this big bad world. No, he has called us to go into the storm with a message of liberation that snatches people from perishing into eternal life. He has called us to ministry. He has called us to believe a great message and he has called us to minister a great message to a dying world. He has called us to go into the storm, to contend, to reach out with mercy to those who are falling away. I grew up on a farm. My dad raised Angus beef cattle. Uh, I didn't learn this lesson when I was a kid. I just grew up with cows on a 20 acre farm. And I didn't really notice like when storms would come that they would scatter, they would scatter away. Some some of you may have heard this message before, but there's a real difference when a storm is brewing and there's cattle grazing. What they do is they scatter individually and they try, if if a storm is moving from behind you to this way from the east to the west, uh, what cows will do, well, they will scatter and they will run. Do you know what bison do? It's fascinating. They come together and they go into the storm. And in doing so, they're actually in the impact of the storm for far less time. And they are together. The world is a storm. Can we just, it is, it's a storm. And it's always been a storm. And Judas calling us as the church to come together and into the storm and to contend and fight for the truth, the liberating message of Jesus in our day. Jude was fighting and contending in his day and he has passed the baton to us, church, to come together and to contend and to fight for the truth of the gospel. I will say this, you have all you need. You have all you need in abundance, You have his glory, you have his majesty, you have his power, you have his authority, and you you have the victory. So yeah, are we in battle? Sure, we're in battle, but guess what? The war actually has already been won. 
The war is won at Calvary and at the resurrection. So yes, we're in battle, but the war is already won. So what that means, you've heard me say this before, we don't, we're not fighting for victory. We're not coming together, going into the storm, fighting for victory, hoping for victory. We actually are coming together, going into the storm as the victors. We fight from a place of victory. The gates of hell cannot prevail against us. We are on the offensive. Are you with me? Okay. Let the redeemed, if you are with me, let the redeemed of the Lord stand up and say so. And if you are with me, let the redeemed of the Lord contend and have a faith that fights because we are in a storm and the church has to rise up and contend for the truth of Jesus, his mercy, his love, his grace, his freedom. Let's pray. Lord, I feel stirred up. I wanna be a bison. I wanna be a bison with other bison. I wanna be strong and courageous. I wanna be strong and courageous, Lord. I wanna believe great things and I wanna do great things for the kingdom, not unto me, but to your name, Jesus. And I wanna do it with Two Rivers Church. And I wanna do it in this city in the time that you have given us in these last days. So Lord, I pray that you would stir us to have a faith that contends and that fights. Lord, these are serious days and the gospel presents a serious liberation. Would we believe it? Would we proclaim it? Lord, we wanna stay together and we wanna be together. We wanna be united, Lord, as we go into the storm in our days that you have given us. In Jesus' name, amen.